Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Welcome to episode 25 of the Red Sox On Deck Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bob Osgood, joined, as always, by Shelly Verstraight. And Shelly, if anything, we have content this week, don't we? (laughs) We have all the content. After some technical difficulties last week, yeah, now we have way too much stuff to talk about. Yeah. We're back. We had a week off. Like you said, some technical difficulties weren't able to record last week, but that is in the past and um, a lot more in the uh, the agenda this week in addition to a week that we had already written up. So we got a lot to talk about. This episode might be all over the place. I don't know where it's going to take us, but uh, before we start, some maintenance and reminders. Um, if you enjoy the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review on whichever platform you listen to the Over the Monster podcast. We've got the Over the Monster podcast with Matt Collins and Brian Joyner, the Red Seat with Jake Devereaux and Keaton DeRocher, and the Precap Pod with Shelly and Keaton as well. So step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I was going to start 
by going through the transactions. And every week I take a look at the transactions, <laughs> make sure that I didn't miss anything, um, you know, ask your opinion on maybe one or two things. And all right, here we go. Christian Arroyo activated from the IL on August 23rd and placed on the COVID IL on August 27th. Jonathan Arauz sent down on the 23rd, called up on the 27th. Jaron Durant sent to the minors on the 24th, recalled on the 26th. Tanner Houck recalled on the 24th. Hunter Renfro, bereavement list, August 26th, returned August 31st. Jairo Munoz recalled August 27th, finally placed on the COVID IL on September 1st. Reynal Espinal recalled on August 30th, made his MLB debut sent down on August 31st. Phillips Valdez recalled August 30th. Brad Peacock traded from Houston to Boston August 30th, started on August 31st, making his Boston debut. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Stephen Gonzalez recalled on August 30th, made his Boston debut. Ryan Brazier and Danny Santana activated from their rehab assignment on September 1st during the roster expansion. John Schreiber makes his Boston debut, possibly, called up on September 1st. Jack Lopez does make his MLB debut on September 1st as part of the COVID IL taxi squad. And then other COVID ILs, Xander Bogarts, Hirokazu Sawamura, Josh Taylor in the protocol, Martin Perez... Matt Barnes, Enrique Hernandez. How'd I do? Um, bravo. Um, <laughs> who would you like then, to talk about? Honestly, who is on this team at this point? Um, and with all of these transactions, are we still um, like going for like a playoff spot? Like just all of the transactions that has happened and. I mean, I know that we haven't, you know, recorded in two weeks, but just knowing how many transactions have we had in like the past five days, like it's unbelievable. I don't even know who's on this team at this point. Yep. That looks like about 20. Um, (laughs) And yeah, you're burying the lead. They, the Red Sox won three series in a row in between the time that we recorded and they're still holding on to the final wildcard spot. At the same time, the AL East slipped away. They're now 10 games back, and they've lost the first two games against the Rays when the COVID list got a lot more significant. And, uh, you know, you can't tread water for too long, but uh, we'll see if they can win a Chris Sale start tonight on Wednesday night uh, that you'll already know the result of on Thursday. But, yeah, I mean, that's the crazy part is the season feels like it's slipping away, and we're here to tell you about a few players that have been called up that are career journeymen minor leaguers and they're playing on a team that if the season ended today would have a playoff spot it's absolutely crazy and yeah not a situation that we've seen before and i mean you know we saw it with new york with the yankees earlier in the year coming out of the all-star break where it seemed like their whole team went out and um red Sox won some games out there and the yankees were however many games out, but they had the time. They had two months when everyone came back from COVID 
and a trade deadline to take care of things in between. And unfortunately, we don't have that luxury. You, you go seven to ten days out from now when some of these players come back, there's going to be three weeks left in the season. You don't know where you're going to be in the wild card race, how many teams you're going to be competing with, and you don't have any avenues to add players like New York did at that time. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And then just knowing that the guys um, that have been, um, you know, sadly sidelined because of COVID, it's really the up, up the middle guys and also our bullpen. And those were kind of like our weakest positions as well. It's just, it, yeah, it's it's been, yeah, it's been a rough couple of days. Yeah, I have gotten more text messages to ask me, who is this guy? Um, <laughs> well, I guess since 2020, because that happened a lot last year too. But yeah. certainly not during a playoff race to say, who is this? I mean, you know, there's some good stories that are in here. Jack Lopez, who um, yeah. w- was at the Olympics uh, for Puerto Rico, I believe got a silver medal. I feel like that's what I read earlier, making his MLB debut. That's a great story. And uh, Rhino Espinal, 27, 28 years old, finally getting called up, but just in difficult circumstances, you know. Uh, Ryan yeah. Brazier making his way back. He had an injury early in the season, and then he got hit in the head with a line drive. And you never know uh, you know, mentally how someone is going to be after a situation like that. And it's good to see that he's back up and with the team i didn't think we'd be saying danny santana's name again but here he is and he is probably going to be involved because he's you know gyro munoz was playing that infield outfield all-around role and that's what this might be the most valuable that danny santana's been all year because of the number of positions that he can play uh you know including center field in a pinch like you said losing these guys up the middle um so and then you know brad Brad Peacock, who had an ERA over seven for Houston and an ERA over seven in the minor leagues, gets a start the day after that he's traded for. So just craziness. And I'm sure five other things that I missed in there. Um, So anyways, any any other players that you wanted to highlight on that list before we move along? Uh, Yeah, not, not really. All right, well, let's move on to Jaron Duran because that was kind of the um, key piece that we were going to talk about last week. Uh, he was demoted to AAA right before we were going to record, a day before. And he has since been called back up, and I'm sure not how they drew it up, only having a day or two down in Worcester, because he certainly had some things that he needed to work on. Um, you know, quite a few strikeouts while he was up with the major league team and I don't know what you saw with Duran I guess kind of two questions for you was it the right move when they demoted it uh demoted Duran and what was the biggest factor in your mind for his demotion kind of you know if we can go back a week in time yeah I I honestly do think that it was the best move at that point um there you know he just he wasn't being played every day you know he's being platoon against lefties which i don't i i just really just wanted him to see every day at bats and if he wasn't getting that at the minor uh, at the major leagues and he really wasn't performing very well when he was with the big you know the big you know the big league club 
I, I was totally fine with him being demoted. It made me sad because I really did have high hopes for him. Um, yep. But yeah, this is, this is, you're not going to be like a Juan Soto. You're not going to be like a Juan, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Like when you come up and just, you know, just hit the ground running. So seeing him get demoted, I was totally okay with it. Um, yep. But knowing that, you know, just all of the COVID stuff, he gets brought back up here. Hopefully he, um, hopefully that doesn't like stifle his development, you know, just whatever. But just as long as he gets every day at bats, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. And I think, you know, he, he did have some, you know, there were some positive things to take out of his time. Yeah. That was up there. Mm-hmm. And, and looking at some of his splits, he was hitting 316 against curveballs, but he was struggling with other pitches. He was hitting 218 against fastballs and 083 against changeups. Uh, he was getting behind in the count early. He was, uh, when he got sent down, he was 0 for 14 with 11 strikeouts once he got to an 02 count. So he would get behind, and then he was kind of struggling to work his way back into the count. Uh, he was just kind of striking out at that point, and seemed like he had struggles up and away with his fastball, with the fastballs. And I mean, that's really important to see where your holes are and what you need to work on. And I was, it was unfortunate when he came back up because I was hoping, you know, he could take two or three weeks or however long that he needed to work on some of those things and see whether they were going to need him towards the end of the season. He's a super motivated player. And those names that you said are exactly right. We were spoiled by Soto and Acuna and Tatis. And demotions are not a knock on anyone. You know, everyone uses the Mike Trout example. He got demoted and Mike Sosha compared Trout to Duran when he was managing him and Jared Kalanick this year. And, um... You know, who actually is back up a second time and hasn't set the world on fire this time either. But like I said, Duran is motivated. I think that hopefully he can take these at-bats that he's getting now. Perhaps when everyone comes back, he can get some time at AAA and work on some of these struggles and come back next year. I, I do not personally... I have not changed my expectations on Duran in any way. I didn't have him in yeah. superstar level, um, but I still think that he can be a really good player and a Jacoby Ellsbury type outside of the near MVP season that he had. I still think that that's yeah. within the range of possibilities for him. Yep, agreed. All right, uh, we do have some promotions. We're going to focus on some positive things here this week. Jay Grom got promoted to double A Portland, and we're actually going to talk about Grom a little bit later in the episode. Steven Scott was promoted to high A, and uh, Wilkelman Gonzalez was promoted to low A from the compa- Complex League. So Scott going up, to, Steven Scott going up to Greenville in his 26 games since he's been at Greenville, and I know that this promotion was a little ways back, but since that has happened, I mean, we haven't talked about him. He's hit 376 in 26 games with a 477 OBP. He's walking 16% of the time. He's striking out 17% of the time. Um, just absolutely crushing the ball. And we talk about Joe Davis a lot. I think, uh, what did Ian say? It was the, the meatball boys or something like that, that the two of them were yeah. called as their nickname. And yeah. they're reunited and they're they're on fire again up at Greenville. So great to see this promotion and see somebody continue to hit. And that's going to be the theme of this episode is that a lot of players have gotten promoted and continued to play well after their promotions. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Steven Scott, uh, yeah, we haven't really mentioned him on the pod. Uh, he's been just hitting. Uh, he really should hit just based age to level. But even that being said, I just love to just see a guy just absolutely demolish any league, whether he's, you know, a little bit older for the level or whatever. But, yeah, just... I that that just stat line is just great and I yeah. love to see it. Yeah, you're right. And it's important to mention that. He is 24. He was a 10th round pick in 2019. Um you know, kind of seemed like a possible depth uh first baseman, outfielder type. Um but you know, it, it the the book on Scott is that he has good raw power. It was just a matter of whether he was mm-hmm. going to be able to get to that in games. And as we've said all year, in the year off, you have no idea what kind of advances people have made. And, and Scott has played really well and I think is just an interesting name to keep an eye on. And then the other one is Will Coleman Gonzalez. And he had, at the Complex League, thrown 35 innings and struck out 46. And he was 4-2 and two with a 3.60 ERA and had a lot of really good outings and seemed to be making a leap up a lot of prospect lists. A lot of scouts were giving great reviews of Gonzalez and he's with Salem now and through four and two thirds innings, uh, giving up one run in his first start this past week. So good to see that there as well. Um, and we're going to talk about a 2020 uh, draftee that got promoted shortly in Nick York, but um, between Grom and Scott and Gonzalez and York, uh, just kind of good to see these players deserving of promotions and some new names that we haven't talked about as much this year. Yep. Another name, Connor Seabold, and he had an outstanding outing. And, you know, that's kind of a name that I think we're going to see on that transactions page when we go through that next week. But his most recent start was, I believe, on the 28th, three days ago. So he didn't really line up when it got completely desperate. He had thrown the day before. That's my guess. Um, But I want to talk a little bit about his outing the time before that, where he threw seven innings, giving up one hit, one walk, um, nine strikeouts. Five of those were swinging, four of those were looking, and just looked great. And in his most recent outing, gave up four runs in four and a third. But Shelly, do you think we're going to see Seabold through this revolving door at some point in September? Yeah, I really do. Even prior to all of the uh, COVID issues that we faced uh, this week, I felt that we were going to see Seabold like the next time that he was available to pitch. Yeah. Because uh, uh, he didn't quite, quite line up with the whole expanded, you know, rosters. Um at you know September one, so I didn't think that he was gonna be promoted then. I was thinking a couple days, but especially with all of the COVID things uh, that's going on with the roster right now, um, I do think that we will see uh, Seabold uh, within the next couple of days, probably when he's available to pitch. And yeah. I'm excited to see him. Uh, he's performed well um, in AAA. Um, yeah. I, I I just cannot wait to see him. And that Brandon Workman uh, trade last yeah. year is just paying dividends. Yeah, and I, I like Nick Pavetta. More and more, watching his curveball is just a pleasure because there's just so few curveballs yes. that look like that. Kind of looks like Brandon yeah. Workman's old curveball when, when he was uh, 
in his prime. But yeah, they they traded Hembury and Workman for Pavetta and Seabold. Yeah, you have to think that Seabold was going to get that Brad Peacock start. They might have held him out a day or two had they known that it was going down that direction. Um, but yeah, I mean, Seabold has that kind of mid-rotation starter ceiling. You know, he's 25, he'll be 26 at the start of next year. So I, I'm really hoping there's so much we could talk about with who might end up in the rotation, whether Hauk will end up there or Whitlock or whether they'll sign a free agent, you know, a Max Scherzer type, something like that. But it would be good to to see Seabold in some sort of role in September. And I think that we will probably in two or three days um, after yeah. he's recovered from his last start and probably will add to the transactions page at that point. Uh, another name we're going to talk about probably next week or the week after we'll revisit the 2021 draft and go back through kind of how everyone has done in this first month after they've signed. But Marcelo Meyer, we should at least talk about him. Um, he hit his first two home runs of the season last week in back-to-back games, including a four RBI game there, and is doing what he needs to do in the complex league. I think they'll probably, you know, they're setting him down there for two months and likely would go to Salem next year. Obviously still very young, 18 years old, but in the complex league, he threw 14 games, he's hitting 294 and is walking 16% of the time. So his OBP is 410, um, striking out 21% of the time, small sample in 14 games, but he's got two homers, 11 RBIs, 13 runs and three steals. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, I'm going to have to go back and watch highlights of a lot of players as this season is starting to wind down and in the off season when there aren't a hundred games on every night, but <laughs> looking forward to watching some game film of, of Meyer and he's taking care of business in the, the first couple of weeks in the complex league. So any, anything to add there, or we're going to look on to the 2020 draft in, in a moment. Uh, no, I just really just, I've been really impressed with Meyer's, you know, you know, just, you know, coming in from, from the, uh, from the high school and just going into the complex, uh, league and just absolutely demolishing that particular league, you know, hitting, you would, like you said, 294. Um, yeah, I, I'm being, I'm really, really impressed with that, uh, with that signing, I'm glad that we got him with the fourth pick, and yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. Yeah, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, but MLB Pipeline putting Meyer with the number nine prospect on their top 100 yeah. list, so a lot of high praise and uh, good reviews from from how he's played these first couple of weeks. Um, all right, so we wanted to revisit this week uh, the 2020 draft, and it was some recent promotions that are a little bit outdated now that um, you know kind of made us think it was a good time to, to look back at these players. Started with Nick York and his promotion, which is now a couple of weeks ago, from Salem to Greenville, and it's incredible to think of what his numbers look like the first month of the season and we've brought this up a few times but if you exclude his first 20 games if you started on may 30th going forward for his time at salem after that date york hit 373 with a 467 obp and a 608 slugging which is a 1076 ops uh 13 walks 10 percent k's you know significantly more walks than k's um you know, after those first 20 games, just startling numbers and has gone up to Greenville. And in his first six games, he's 10 for 25. He's hit two home runs with seven RBIs. I saw 
film of a home run that he hit to go ahead the other night that <laughs> I'm trying to I, I wrote it down over here somewhere of it was something like 470 something feet um, with a crazy exit velocity but I don't know I'm in terms of who I am most excited about this year I think Nick York has to be number one on that list uh, I I definitely agree um, I I was like intrigued when they 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 you know they signed him last year they drafted him signed him I'm like okay yeah I thought this this guy was gonna be basically kind of like a hit tool guy um, right. I didn't ex- I and yeah he is a hit tool guy but he has power it's just everything that I've seen from him this year knowing how young he is for the both levels that he's at I've just been just absolutely impressed with him and i cannot wait to see him next year um yeah Yeah, 19 years old those those stats that we just rattled off there he was um he turned 19 in april at the very beginning of the season yeah it's it's incredible with what he's doing you know outside of like that first month when he was in salem and it didn't look that great but he's just been going gangbusters like you said I, I, every time I, you know, open up the box scores every single night, I'm like, let me just go see what, you know, Nikki York is doing, you know, because I just want to see what he's, he's just been incredible. Yeah. And I think the only thing that's a little deceiving is, uh, the stolen bases. He has 11 steals, but he's been caught nine times and, you know, not a great sign, but that's okay. If he hits and he has this power, then, you know, you're not going to be as worried about that. And he plays has played a good second base there um as well so it was a 449 foot home run with a 107 mile per hour exit velocity for a game winning <laughs> home run in the yeah. eighth or ninth inning right after getting promoted so uh you know able to handle the moment as well which is just great to see so totally agree with you there and then blaze jordan um he at the florida complex league played 19 games and after that was promoted to Salem. But in the Florida Complex League, he hit 362, 408 OBP. His slugging was 667, similar OPS of what York had after that May 30th date, up near 1,100. He had four homers, 19 RBIs. Promoted to Salem, he's 8 for 32 in eight games since he was promoted. Two home runs, seven RBIs, and had a tape measure grand slam in one of his first games as well so jordan the second round uh pick there after or um after york was was jordan the third round i need to make Uh, sure that i have that right yeah he was the third round because we didn't have a second round pick that's right sorry about that third round pick after they lost the second round pick uh signing him over slot so he's had a good start as well got a promotion and has had a couple of home runs since getting promoted yeah, and he's kind of, uh, I don't know, like I uh, kind of made me look like a fool. Because um, when they drafted him, I'm like, oh, they picked a guy who was like a, a you know, a really power, like, prospect, right? Who had like yeah. a lot of like interesting, Raw power, like, right? Lo- 
Yep, a lot of home runs, like on like YouTube and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, they picked the guy who could really just mash a ball. I just expected him to just strike out all the time. Uh, but uh, Blaze has basically told me to shut up, and he has yeah, he has been hitting much better than I expected him to. So, yeah, the first two selections, um, you know, last year, I've just been like, okay, right. high and bloom, you know what you're doing. These two picks have been really, really good, so... Yeah. yeah, also 18 years old, won't turn 19 until the off season. Yep. So uh, definitely two players to get excited about there. Um, so along with that, there was a couple of there were a couple of pitchers. We had Jeremy Wu Yelland in the fourth round and Shane Drohan in the fifth round. And notice when I was looking at both of them, they have the exact same. 4.03 ERA this season. Um, we yelling a, a one and three record. Drohan five and three. Uh, we mentioned before we yelling's um, record is a little bit deceiving because he usually goes four innings, so doesn't usually qualify for the win. Um, but did you have any thoughts on either of these pitchers and any thought you know one over the other that might be more likely to be in the rotation or um, you know any thoughts on these players so far? Um, I guess they kind of ex- uh, they're kind of doing what I expected. Um, I didn't yeah. really think that any of them like really would go. They're going to be like a starter type. I do think that they might be like relievers. Obviously, it's the the control um, from both of them. They walk a lot of guys, uh, but they do strike out a, a lot of guys, especially Wuhelens. Um, so, yeah, they're kind of doing what I expected. Yeah, and I, I know when we had Ian Kundal on, he was saying, you know, that he saw Wu Yelland as someone that could be a really good reliever long term because he had that high nineties fastball um, mm-hmm. with a, a decent slider and change up. But exactly like you said, the command and control has kind of been an issue with both of them. But Wu Yelland with a little more strikeout upside at least so far this year. Um, so you know, it remains to be seen. Um, Wu Yelland striking out more than 10 per nine with Drohan closer to eight. Um, so a couple of pitchers that, you know, are moving their way along and in the, the low A level, and we'll see if they make some strides going into next year as well. Yep. The, I guess before we kind of talk about some things we're looking forward to in September. I did want to mention the MLB pipeline top 100 list on MLB.com. There were three Red Sox players on there and Marcelo Meyer was ninth. Tristan Cassius was 18th and Jaron Duran was 26th, still prospect eligible. And I thought the most interesting thing personally was that Nick York had moved up to fourth ahead of Jeter Downs on their list although neither of them in their top 100 left uh or or top 100 list York up to four ahead of Jeter Downs uh you think that was a fair move based on what we've seen this year um honestly I think so uh Jeter Downs is kind of um uh I've been really disappointed with um him and I've would you know i've been i've been wondering if like they would demote him to double a like this was like his first time in triple a he hasn't done well i'm surprised that they haven't made that move but 
at this point in the season, I guess they're just kind of like, yeah, we're just going to let him go. Uh, yep. But yeah, York has been like really good, so I get it. Um, but the the Meyer at number nine overall was shocking to me. I mean, I'd love yeah. to see it, but it was still pretty shocking. Yeah, they they went pretty aggressive. Um, yeah, with a few different players that were recently drafted, but yeah, Meyer at nine. That's as, as high as I've seen him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Definitely had me excited seeing him there on that list, and of course that's yeah. that's all around, right? That's offense, that's defense, that's speed, um, yep. that's everything in there. But um, you know, just just an interesting list, and that's you can it's not behind a paywall or anything like that. If you look up MLB Pipeline's top hundred list, that that's public. So take a look, kind of the top hundred and the Sox top thirty that was recently released, and kind of the last place that we wanted to go this week was to talk and you know we've reached september now which is crazy to think about we've been doing this podcast (laughs) since the first of march so we've been doing this for six months which is incredible um 25th episode here and now that we've reached september what are you looking for shelly over the final month of the of the minor league season is there a player that you think kind of has the most to gain or lose um promotion that you want to see or just anyone specifically you know how they might handle a certain level what what do you think oh yeah i mean we kind of we kind of talked about the guy that i kind of want to talk about uh, a little bit earlier in the podcast you know jay groom getting the promotion to double a but honestly it's it's jay groom um i he needs to be added uh to the 40 man this off season and prior to this uh prior to this season I didn't think that he was going to be added because, I mean, he dealt with, like, so many injuries and just not really performing well. But he has just, you know, uh, exceeded my expectations for him this year, knowing all of the injury and underperformance um, that he has dealt with uh, prior to the season. Um, He has been really really good and i honestly think that he deserves a a 40 man spot i mean there are a couple guys uh that you know that i'm just kind of like thinking off the top of my head like jason rosario guys like that who probably could be taken off the 40 man and i would want to see jay groom um added um That's an interesting conversation that we'll have to have about, you know, who, who you 100%. think might, might stay on there uh, as we wind down this year. Yeah, but yeah, but Jay Groom has just really performed well this season. I I was glad to see him get that promotion. I'll, you know, this, this next month, I will be looking to see how he does at this new level. Um, but I didn't think that I would see Groom at double A, but... You know, he's totally killed it and totally deserved it. Yeah, I feel like they they want to see, you know, how he can handle that level at the age that he's at because yep. he has some deceiving numbers this year. I, I agree with you. I think that overall this has been a positive season because of how it was a almost a York situation where the first month really skewed his ERA and a couple of other outings that he had that were 
blow-up type of outings. The 5.73 ERA, you look at that and say, well, he hasn't had a good year. He's 3-8 and eight with a 5.73, but he had a long stretch in the middle of the season of great starts, you know, where his ERA had started at about 15 and brought all the way down into the fours, you know. And then there was a recent outing where he gave up five or six runs early in the outing and then fought through into the fifth or sixth inning. And some of his other indicators are just, it makes you think that he had some bad luck. His FIP is 4.17. Uh, his called strike whiff percentage is 31.6. I think that he has done a lot to show, at the very least, that he might be a bullpen arm, a lefty specialist, or a lefty that can go a couple innings. You know, a Michael Kopech type of bullpen arm is just somebody that comes to mind, potentially, yeah. right? Ceiling. Yeah. Um, that I think that he has that. You see glimpses at of that when you watch film of him. Um, but the, the, the ceiling and the floor are just so far apart compared to really any other pitcher in the organization that I can think of. Yep. The name that I wanted to go with was Gilberto Jimenez. He has, I want to see if he can finish strong because I don't think that he's going to get a promotion, nor do I really think that he should, but I want to see kind of if he continues to handle this level at Salem. And over the past five weeks, he has hit 340 with five doubles and four triples and 15 RBI and 19 runs over those five weeks. Brought his walk rate up to 6% in that time frame compared to a 3.8% uh, prior to that. You know, it's it's nothing that totally jumps off the page, but 340 over five weeks is very good. And we spoke about him negatively at times early in the season um, where he struggled and some of his splits were questionable and his strikeouts, uh, you know, compared to when he was hitting from the right side and we asked whether he should continue to switch hit. And I think that he's responded to that really well. And I'm hoping that he can continue to do that in the last month of the season. And his overall stat line is, I think at the end of the season, going to look a lot better if he does that. And I think would, you know, strong finish should get him a promotion to Greenville next year and hopefully keep him on track because he is on, by all accounts, you know, a top five, six, seven prospect on most lists in the organization. So, uh, I think, you know, that's an important name to just, it's good to see him respond in the second half of the season the way that he has and make some adjustments and hopefully keep that going. Yeah, yeah, I I, I, I hope that this, you know, this last couple of weeks here are the Jimenez that we are going to see. Um, I still really want him to just pick a side of the plates and just bat from that side and just go with that. Um, I mean, we've seen some players uh, recently, um, you know, in the major leagues kind of go that way and just totally go gangbusters, but... I, I have been encouraged with his most recent stats, and I hope that is what we see going forward at the plate because we all know that he is really, really good in the outfield. Absolutely, and that's a good point. It's good to bring up his defense as well. That's a very important part of his game. So, All right, on that note, uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at BobOsgood15. Shelly is at ShellyV underscore 643. And hopefully a week from now we've got a little more positive news and we can talk about uh, you know a more normal roster and more normal trickle-down AAA rosters that we have and kind of see where things are going in September rather than the, the doom and gloom that we have today. So 
Uh, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.